You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Monday. We're doing it late Monday, but it is Monday nonetheless. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man. On the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And I do have to tell you before we get started that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKDOWN, you'll get 20% off of your next order. Um, well, we're going to talk about this debacle that's a team right now. And I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time doing it. This is not going to be one of our longer podcasts because, I mean, there's really just not a lot to say about it in the sense of I mean we, we kind of know what this team is and listen like I wrote a piece yesterday took me two hours to write the stream of consciousness uh, where I did something of a disambiguation because I see a lot of hyperbole about why this team is failing and a lot of reaching about why this team is failing listen like some of the things are more symptoms of failing than reasons like they're they're more symptoms rather than the the, the way that the sickness came about right it, they didn't catch the sickness by the like people want to talk about the body language the low energy no those are those are things that are symptoms of it maybe that was part of it against Michigan State the overconfidence thinking that they could just come in there and do whatever they wanted. But ultimately it's a handful of things that are, that are the reasons why Michigan is failing so far. So I want to outline that a little bit. Uh, and, and I, I, I just want to just be clear that they are failing, right? Like I'm not making any excuses for any of it, but you have to take things within context of what is happening. You don't have to sit there and make excuses. You don't have to sit there and say, you know, you know, Jim Harbaugh looks defeated. Therefore, no, it's <laughs> if you, you lose three games, you're going to look defeated. If you if you win three games, you're not. That's pretty simple. But. The reasons why that they're failing are multiple. We've covered them pretty much all on this program, which is why this isn't going to take a long time. And I understand there's the emotional reactions that people have. And watching Wisconsin, it was really difficult to try to figure out exactly what it was because this was a little bit different of a blueprint to losing. Uh, the offense didn't move the ball basically at all. The defense Stopped the pass just fine, but and I was I, I was arguing in a in a light pleasurable version of arguing, not like the angry you're wrong whatever. But I was conversing with some of my colleagues about you know if Graham Mertz isn't back there, would you you know would you be able to would Michigan have been able to win? And my answer to that was no. And. It, it, it didn't matter whether it was Mertz or not. Mertz didn't beat you. And they say, well, they have to respect Mertz. And my feeling on that is not necessarily. Because the way Wisconsin beat Michigan, again, was up front. But 
conversely, it was the perimeter. It was the jet sweep that really killed them. The, the running backs didn't really start having breakout yardage until the game was more than well in hand. Jalen Berger, Nakia Watson, they didn't start to... Uh, in John Chennault, the fullback. They just further iced the game. The game was already done. And it was done because they were able to run Kendrick Pryor, I believe, definitely Danny Davis. The running the wide receivers on the jet sweeps just absolutely murdered Michigan defensively. Murdered them. They had zero answer for it. And Wisconsin, got to give them credit. Like, at you know, at, we asked uh, some of the players afterwards, did you, uh, were these things that you saw on tape? And it was not really. Wisconsin did something different because they saw some kind of weakness and decided that that was the way they were going to get it done. And there's really... Just no gap integrity for this Michigan team. That's that's one of two issues. Secondary is the other one. Vincent Gray had himself a pretty decent day. Was in the right position all night. Got a really good grade from PFF, but I commented during the game, you know what, Vincent Gray is actually doing really good. Jamon Green, not nearly as much. We talked to him today. He's Said that his fundamentals and techniques, he's not using them like he needs to. It's it's just a debacle. It's the only way you can put it. All systems are failing. Michigan has no answers. And that's on coaching. Right? The coaches have no adjustments. Again, they're youthful. It's a young team. It's going to have some issues here and there. But I mean, this wholesale, I mean, it's a fire sale, <laughs> essentially. Oh my God, we are having a fire sale. They are Tobias out there, just desperate to do anything. It's bad. Uh, offensively, I mean, it's more of the same. But it wasn't that way before, right? The offense had a pulse. This was Joe Milton's worst game, obviously. He got yanked. Which is fine. People will take this as an opportunity to, to be like, but you said, and listen, he still. I, I also said it might take some time. It's not his fault the offensive line isn't better. We saw a mirage in week one. It's hard to really tell how much better it will or won't be if Jalen Mayfield and Ryan Hayes return. We don't know. But, I mean, that's the thing with both sides. I mean, you're, you, you didn't have either of your ends on either side of the ball. You didn't have Quiddy or Aiden. Aiden's done for the year. You didn't have Ryan Hayes or Jalen Mayfield. It's really hard to do much of anything when, because to me, your offensive and defensive line is where it all starts and essentially ends. If you don't have those, you're not going to be very good. And Michigan, unfortunately, is missing their two best players, arguably, from either side of the ball. And then you just get to the ill-timed play. We'll get into that in a moment, just because we, we're buttoned up against uh, what should be a break anyway. Uh, 
you always feel like you're always on. What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit that reset button, get ready for what is next? Well, these with these days, everything being go, 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 it's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time with work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit that reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Listen, mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged, literally made to chill. Back when I used to drink, it was the light beer that I reached for uh, starting in 2003. Like I told y'all, I remember the date, July 3rd, 2003 was the day that I bought my, probably not my first six pack of Coors Light, but I knew that that was, uh, that was when it was going to be the one that I always went for. It's crisp. And as as refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Like I said, Coors Light was the one that I used to choose when I needed to unwind. So when you need to hit that reset button, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door. Get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so offensively, I mean, both sides of the ball, but this week the offense really did it. Ill-timed bad plays or penalties. Joe Milton's interceptions, man. Offense never had a chance. The, the defense couldn't stop Wisconsin. The offense never stood a chance. Two picks, 14 points. Or was it 10 points? Regardless, doesn't even matter at this juncture. Just really difficult to watch. You don't get a chance to run your offense when you put yourself in an instantaneous hole, and that's where they were, what, six minutes into the game? I mean, just absolutely brutal. So, I still like Joe Milton. I still like Joe Milton to be the starter. I still like everything I said about him. This was his fourth start. Dealing with a lot here. A lot of pressure to try to be the best. He was always going to be something of a work in progress, right? Otherwise, he would have started as a true freshman like Trevor Lawrence, like Tua eventually, well, he didn't even start, but Tua eventually got the, the playing time in the national championship game in his freshman year. That's not where Joe Milton was. He has all the intangibles. He has everything that you want. But he's he's looking a little uh, just struck, right? He's just looking like what... You know, you see the happy feet. You see these things. First interception wasn't his fault. Nick Eubanks should have come down with it. Didn't. And when you when you throw, trusting your receiver to make that throw in tight coverage, I mean, it's 
they, they need to come down with it. Otherwise, you, you get the interception. Second one, I have no idea what he was looking at. No idea. And that's just the moment being a little too bright for him at that point. The coaches just need to do a better job. Starts with the defense and ends with the offense. If the offense, which was supposed to be able to outscore everybody, can't do more than one touchdown in, quite honestly, garbage time, there's problems. If the defense can't stop a paper bag and a light breeze, there's problems. Worst defense we've seen since the Rich Rod era. Courtesy of Don Brown. Now, Don Brown didn't forget how to coach defense. Players will swear up and down that they're just not executing. I still feel like what they're trying to do, what they're asking the players to do is too much. You have a young group. It, it, this all reminds me, and I said this last week, it reminds me of back the last time that I remember we had Tim Drevno in a press conference. Brought up this parable about him pumping a well as a, I think it was a minor league baseball assistant or groundskeeper or something. And the, the, the pump just wouldn't give out water, but he just kept pumping and eventually it gave out water. That's what, what it seems like what the coaches are trying to do. It is what the coaches are trying to do because that's what, that's exactly what uh, Jim Harbaugh said today on Monday. I loved everything he had to say on Saturday after the game in the sense of it was accountable. There was no, well, I thought the players had just great effort. It was just like, I didn't like any of it. It was all bad. We've got to go back to the drawing board. And that means everything. That, that means what we're doing schematically, what we're doing coaching-wise, uh, the way we're trying to prepare our guys, uh, the guys that we're trying to prepare, nutrition, workouts, all of that stuff. Monday, it was right back to, oh, man, our workouts were incredible this morning. I got the first question in again today, and I said, I was like, you know, I know it's only been 36 hours, but... Have you figured anything out? And it's just, oh, we're just, we're just back to the, you know, back to the drawing board. New week. Try to be one to know this week. It's like, come on, man. You, you finally broke out of that shell. And I know you're not necessarily going to tell the media, but like, that's got to change too, right? You can stonewall if you're good. You're not right now. They got to figure something out. I'm not one of those people that's going to sit there and say, fire everybody. That's just not what I do. We know, Jim Harbaugh didn't forget how to coach, but we are clearly also not seeing the same Jim Harbaugh that we saw early. It doesn't seem like any of anyone's having any fun, right? It, it just feels like that, like that's it. Like the wind has been sucked out of that room forever. I mean, that includes, like, think back to after the 2016 season. I think about this every now and again. Florida State, when they're down there at the Orange Bowl, they let those guys go out and do the beach and ride jet skis. And Harbaugh's like, nope, we're staying focused. We're not doing any of that. We're, we're going to go practice. And at the time, it was like, just look at, how, look at the determination, the focus. 
You got to be able to have fun. Football's supposed to be fun. No one's having fun. No one. Anyway. How do you fix it? I don't know that I have good answers. I'm not going to pretend like I do, but I'm going to kind of delve into that now. But before I do, I've got to tell you a little bit about Built Bar because you all know how much I love Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that's low calorie, low carb, high protein. Tastes like a candy bar. It's delicious. Not only do I put my money where my mouth is, but I, you know, I've bought multiple boxes. I don't know how many yet. They're so good that my roommate not only ate all of my limited edition strawberry without uh, permission, he bought a box of chocolate and ate all of those as well. So know what I did? If you listen to the show on Friday, you heard both me and Brandon Justice buy their, the new maple something flavor. I can't remember the name of it now. While doing this very podcast, instead of a live read, I did a live buy. That good. Go to BuiltBar.com, put in promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off of your next order. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, 20% off of your next order. What are you waiting for? If you haven't tried it yet, I'm telling you, you'll love it. All right, so if you haven't noticed, my Built Bar ones, I just speak from the heart on those. I just, I absolutely love Built Bar. So I, I really do mean it. Get with it. Uh, how do you fix it if you're Michigan? The same way you fixed the offensive line when the Drevno experiment had ceased to work, right? Tim Drevno didn't stop being able to coach, but it just wasn't working in Ann Arbor anymore. There was just all kinds of, there are too many cooks with him and Greg Fry. Michigan didn't know what its identity was supposed to be. I don't think Michigan knows what its identity is supposed to be now. Because people, I saw people complaining after the game online, just being like, you know, thanks for bringing us the spread, Josh Gaddis. And it's like, hey, here's the thing. They aren't really running the spread in a traditional sense anymore. The zone read doesn't really exist, Right. They're not always in a spread formation. They're still dabbling with a condensed formation. They did a little bit less against Wisconsin, but they still did it. You watch it happen, and I'm like, what are you doing? There was one play that looked incredible. It wasn't completed, and it was a penalty anyway. That was from a condensed formation, and I was like, okay. At this point, I'll take predictable in the sense of boil it down to five plays offensively. Maybe maybe a few more, of course, but let's say 10. Five passing plays, five running plays. Boil it down to those. Get those really, really good. Obviously, you have different options on the offensive plays, right? And on the passing plays, you can choose to th- you know, throw to this guy, that guy, that guy, whatever. Get those really, really good and go from there. Defensively, again, I want to reiterate to all the people who say Don Brown doesn't adjust. He absolutely does adjust, but it does not work. I saw them get gashed on the perimeter when in man, and I saw them get gashed on the perimeter when in zone. They timed the blitzes a heck of a lot better this week, but Wisconsin knew where the pressure was coming from. Michigan did not disguise their blitzes. 
And they went the opposite way from the pressure every time. Unless it was picked up. There were a few that were picked up as well. But when they weren't, like I'm thinking of one with Cam McGrone and one with Daxon Hill, which was just like right there. Wisconsin just rolls away from the pressure, finds the open man, goes from there. Michigan just needs to simplify everything. Offensive side, we already covered that. Defensive side of the ball as well. These guys are being, for all the people that are like, well, are they going to switch teams now? It's like, listen, how much do you want to try to put in one guy's head, especially things that are potentially new concepts? You can't just switch concepts in the middle of the season and expect it to be terribly successful. So you need to figure out what within your base, with what's within your playbook that's going to work defensively. Trust that, you know, okay, Vincent Gray, you've had a, you had a little bit better of a day. You graded out the best you have. Javon Green, still a work in progress. If you're going to keep trotting out the same players, which, I mean, I'm not even advocating that you do that at this point, right? Someone's a weak spot. You feel like someone's a weak spot, then, then bring in someone else that hasn't had the time on task. Can't be that much worse at this point. I'd say, though, at, at the same time, with Rutgers coming up, Field who you feel is your best team and go for it. Build a little bit of confidence, a little bit of what it feels to be like in the winning column before Penn State comes to town. Because no matter which way you shake it, you're going to have, at best, a one-win Penn State team coming to Ann Arbor on the 28th. At worst, <laughs> they're winless. At best, you have a two and four, or sorry, two and three Michigan team, and a at worst a, an equally bad one and four Michigan team, coming off of what would be the, an even more demoralizing win, losing to Rutgers. The other thing is make sure that the mistakes. This is the reason why you simplify. No more mistakes, right? It has to be very crystal clear. If you don't see your guy, if you're the quarterback, the pressure's coming, throw it away. Or take the sack if you have to. No turnovers. Michigan was really good the first two games, no turnovers, and then they had two turnovers each of the last two weeks. Again, not all of them are Milton's fault. I, I put one from each of the last two games on him, and then the others aren't. But the other thing is you you got to be able to start faster on defense. You just have to. Michigan has not led since they won a game. Can't be living that life. Offensively, you also have to start fast. But you also have to play your game, the run game. The personnel is just, that's still a mess. I understand you had to eventually, there, there was the point when they started going away from the run, which was, I think, the appropriate point. But man, you aren't going to win football games not running the football. You're not. I think that if they would have tried against Indiana, they would have had a chance. 
But against Wisconsin, uh-uh. High percentage. If you're an offense, high percentage plays. Screens, zone read would be included in my plan because that's technically what you want to do, but they just don't do it. Defensively, I don't know, man. That's an even bigger mess. Just lack of execution. You can't ask, ask Daxton Hill to do everything for you. You just cannot. And like I said, if they're not getting in the in my piece that I wrote, that is, if they're not getting pressure up front, the whole defense falls apart. The whole defense is predicated on getting pressure, and they're not doing it. So if I'm the defense, I disguise blitzes a heck of a lot better. I'm not saying stop blitzing, but disguise them a little bit better. But if teams are starting to gash you on the perimeter, I'd say no blitz, right? Keep your gap no matter where you are. Guy th is thrown to in the flat. Guess what you need to go do before they gain nine yards? Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. I'll be back Tuesday. More of the same, I'm sure. I'll talk to you after the players uh, since I talked to you after Harbaugh. That'll do it for us. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.